And for those that don't know my story, I come out of a background of addiction. I was uh, lost and without hope for many years, and I haven't got time to go into that today. Suffice us to say, while I was in my addiction, my mum and my two brothers gave their hurt and their pain to God, uh, allowing him to bring healing and restoration, which to this day they still continue to journey. And uh, sadly, mum passed away in 2016, but she is one of the main reasons I'm here today. In 1995, I overdosed three times in a period of a month, uh, clinically dying and facing my mortality. And it was in that moment that my family stood in the gap in prayer. And I want to emphasize that they were in prayer as death tried to steal my life. But then God stepped in and intervened, responding to their prayers and the intercession of others. During those overdoses, I had several God encounters, which I haven't got time to uh, illuminate on today. Suffice us to say, it revolutionized my world, and I've never been the same. That was 23 years ago. Thank God, he's a God that never changes. In that moment, I surrendered my life into the hands of Jesus. He became so real to me and continues to be central in all aspects of my life and my every day and in the ministry which he's entrusted me with. You see, if I can't use my faith in an everyday capacity, I actually, it's not a faith at all. It's a doctrine. And doctrine doesn't change people's lives. A relationship with a living God does. Years later in a totally transformed life, I wanted to see all that the devil had meant for evil and we now use that for good. And so we formed a trust in 2002 really with a heart to go and help our young people on a journey. As you know, there's so much coming against our young people in today's world. In fact, I helped my twin brother at a camp last week uh, where we spent uh, seven days with 11 to 16-year-old young people. And the issues that manifest while they were there were frightening. Family, children with family members that have suicided, mothers that are suicided, uh, fathers that are imprisoned and you listen to the, the brokenness and the sadness that these young people carry. And unless we, as followers of Christ, have something to offer them, they're going to go back into a world of pain which will offer only one thing, death and destruction. And so we formed this charitable trust in 2002 because we realised that unless somebody tells them the truth, they're going to hell with a, without an eternity to look forward to. And even though I can't preach the gospel and share the gospel in schools, let me tell you, when you keep a thousand kids quiet for an hour, God's in that room. And it's an amazing thing to witness. But that's not why I'm here today. I'm not here to talk about me. I want to talk on something that's really dear to my heart, and that's the challenge of prayer. Why? Because I am the result of prayer, of a faithful mother who continued to pray and brothers that continue to lift me before the Lord for many years. I want to ask you a question here. Hands up here who's seen God answer their prayers before. And I would dare to say that most of you here today, because at one stage in your life, somebody has prayed for you. Whether you know so or not, I believe that somebody has lifted you before the altar of God, whether it be a family member, a grandmother, an aunt, or somebody you know that got on their knees and lifted you before the Lord. Personally, I don't have enough time to talk about the daily answers to prayer that he has given me over these many years. But I want to say that our prayers are effective. 
And I really want to delve into that this morning, and more so the challenge of prayer, because prayer at times can be feel like it's fruitless. It can feel like it's just hard work. Hands up here, who's ever prayed prayers of desperation? When you get into that trouble spot and you go, oh God, please, if you get me out of this, I'll serve you the rest of my life. <laughs> Those bedtime prayers of repentance where you lie down at night and you think, oh my God, I better give my life to the Lord and repent tonight because if I die in the middle of the night, I might miss out. So I want to make sure I'm all kosher, you know. <laughs> Bit of fire insurance, keep the heat from the seat. Or you get a speeding ticket or a cop pulls you over and you think, oh God, please, please let me out of this. And I think many of us have prayed those prayers where we say, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do it again. And yet 99% of the time we often go and do those things again, yeah? So really I want to help you to understand that prayer, and to tease us out a little bit more, prayer is at its roots simply paying attention to God. So in your outline today, please fill in those words. Uh, paying attention. Often your wife can be saying something to you and you glaze over <laughs> and you, you appear to be paying attention and she turns around and says, what did I say? And you go, uh, I'm sorry, honey, I didn't hear you. And what I found with my wife, she was often down the other end of the house when she'd say something to me and then she told me she told me later on. I said, no, you didn't. And then I clicked one day, she was at the other end of the house when she asked me. So it's simply paying attention to God, asking and listening. I've also heard prayer defined as conversation with God or asking and listening. I believe this is partly true. I believe many grasp the talking part of conversation, but I know many of us don't get the listening part. And there's a variety of reasons for that. So I really want to hone down on some of the stuff today. And I love what Mother Teresa says about prayer. It is simply putting oneself in the hands of God. Putting oneself in the hands of God. Such a delightful picture of implicit trust in the Heavenly Father. Now, my family entrusted me into the Lord's hands and faithfully prayed, waiting and believing for breakthrough for a miracle. In fact, my mum set her face like flint to the Lord for 16 years. You see, she couldn't be with me in the fast cars and at the parties and in those environments where there was drugs and alcohol. She couldn't do anything physically around me, but she could pray and create an atmosphere around her son, which would pray, bring protection. And do you know what? I, I often felt the power of that protection around me when my mother and my brothers prayed. My mum was really cunning. She would position scripture around the house everywhere. And in fact, in my room, at the end of my bed, she would place scripture. And so, actually, those became my first memory verses. When I went to sleep at night, she would come in and tip oil on my head and anoint my head with oil. I wake up in the morning and all my hair's all greasy. And I'm going, why is my hair all greasy? <laughs> she was hilarious. And then the other thing she would do, she would put oil in my shoes. So I'd be walking down the road, my shoes were squeaking, and I'd be going, what the hell's going on with my shoes? Thinking I had a little bit extra perspiration. But she was actually praying scripture over me. She was anointing me with oil. She was entrusting me into the hands of the Lord. And she was, and I would often hear her when I came home, I would hear her, like that war room movie, warfaring in the kitchen for her lost son. And I would feel embarrassed and ashamed. And so I'd go and sit out on the back lawn in a deck chair and smoke cigarettes until she went to bed. Because I didn't want to be around her in that 
intimate place with God. Ian and Mike, both pastors, likewise, continued to intercede for me. In fact, my brother Mike would told me last week that he remembers getting the call from the ambulance that my heart had stopped and they were performing CPR on me right then and there and he, they were just continually and it just nearly destroyed him just that worry and that constant stress of having a brother that, who had a life on the knife edge so the question I really want to pose to you today is why don't we pray and I believe there's multiple reasons for that and I'm going to generalise there is no, there's always exceptions to the rule bottom line, there's always going to be an exception but one of the things that I've seen and dealt with over the many years that I've worked with people and uh, with addiction and stuff like that and people that have children that are caught up in addiction and the families are Christian one of the things I've dealt with with people is there may be broken trust from others trust that may have been damaged in relationships hurts and broken promises betrayals and disappointments and they unfortunately are projected onto a heavenly father that we can't see Often because of past experience, we respond by being guarded, closed off and independent rather than risking the same vulnerability again, whether it's God or anyone else. And so when you it's the old story, once bitten, twice shy, you're often a lot more guarded in future relationships, whether it be to individuals, whether it be to God. In fact, for many years, I projected my hurt and pain onto God because I thought God was like my real father. He wasn't at all. And yet I projected that on him for many years. The other thing is we tend to rely on our own strength and wisdom rather than trusting a God who often feels distant and aloof. Some of us have had bad experiences from our own fathers and I remember my own dad betraying us and abandoning us. But nonetheless, I reflect now on the love I have for my own kids. I look at my kids and I just don't understand uh, how fathers can turn their own back on their children. I just, I don't get it. Well, I look at my kids and my life changed forever when I had children. I was never the same. It, it wrecked me in a good way. I looked at my son and I, it was such a, God told me 10 years before I was going to have a son. And when he came about, I was just overwhelmed with thankfulness and emotion and in that moment gave him and entrusted him back to the Lord. I know even though sometimes you want to throttle your kids, you never stop loving them, true? That's a fact. And you would die for them if necessary. How much more the love of a heavenly father for us as his kids. And we read some of that in Matthew 7, 7. But I want you to all know that God wants you, he wants to be your provider, your counsellor, your friend, your brother, your father, your mentor, to all those things that you need for daily life. Another reason we don't pray is um, men especially, we don't like asking for help. <laughs> True. We don't like asking for help. We don't like not asking for directions. That's another thing that men are shocking at. My wife, we were going to New Plymouth one day and I looked at the map and I saw New Plymouth on the map and I thought, well, why don't we go to Taupo and hop across the hill? Well... My wife said, no, no, you go to Cambridge and then cross through Tiawamudu and go down that way. And I thought, no, that's shorter on the map. So we got to Taupo and then we got on this rural road. Well, let me tell you, it was like going through the back hills of Waikikamukau. It was unbelievable. In fact, it took us seven hours to get to New Plymouth. And 
to this day, my kids remind me, why didn't you listen to your wife? And I'm thinking, yeah, thanks. <laughs> we see it as a sign of weakness, whether it's asking for help or praying. And the other thing is often we don't think the problem's that bad. We minimise it, we talk it down. We want to keep up appearances like Mrs. Bouquet, for those that know that programme, that everything's okay, when privately we're having a meltdown. A lot of prayer often is asking God for help, and men think they can handle it themselves, and that's often the case. People see prayer, another reason uh, people don't pray is they don't see it as being productive for old people, like women's aglow, you know, the old Sheila's aflame? <laughs> Some of you will get that. When you're too old and doddery to do anything else. And unfortunately, again, this is where men, we don't see it as being productive. Men are doers. And ever since Adam, remember when Adam got into trouble, they ended up eating the fruit and they tried to cover their nakedness. What did Adam do? He got some fig leaves together and tried to repair things, tried to fix it himself. Well, we can never fix things, to be honest, ourselves, especially when it comes to the more serious things. Uh, the problem with independence often is that our greatest strength be can become our greatest weakness. I remember when I was in the, the really the hard part of my addiction coming out into recovery, that it was in that place I was so broken I had nothing left to give. And actually that was at the most profound time of my journey with the Lord because in that place of weakness, when you get so low, there's only one place you can look and it's up. And I remember in that place being totally spent of any energy left. And so in that moment I cried out and it was in that moment that God became so real to me. You see, when you've run out of energy, there's only one place you can rely and it's on a power greater than yourself. Problem is when you get stronger, you tend to run ahead and start to do things on your own rather than continuing that total dependence on the one that can continue to help you. The other thing is men generally like to be productive. The challenge with prayer can be we may not see instant results when we pray. What I term microwave prayers or miracles. You come to God and you just close your eyes and go, please God, just zap me and make everything right. Or hands up here, who knows that that's not the case. We want it to be that case, but often it's not the case. Often prayer and instant things, are, they do happen, and I've seen it happen in my own life. But generally God, I believe, will take you through a process to help you bring understanding to you so that you can then empathise and give that same grace and that compassion to other people as well. I believe there's another reason we don't pray is because of unbelief and doubt. There may be a lack of faith. We're not sure if God will answer, so we avoid disappointment by not even trying. That way we won't be let down. Oh, I prayed before and nothing happened. It may be we've had unanswered prayer in the past which discouraged us. I remember when my mum was in hospital and we had everyone around us praying and we were adamant and sure that mum was going to be healed. She was in hospital three weeks, but at the end of that time, mum passed away. And for a while I was devastated. In fact, I was angry. I was angry. How dare you take my mother away? I was. I was genuinely stroppy with God for a while. And then I got over myself and realised, actually, she's in a far better place and it's not for me to challenge. And sometimes we pray and we don't get the answers we, we want. And so we get bitter and we get resentful. 
you thought otherwise and had a better solution. Well, if mum got healed, well, everything would be cool. Well, actually, God had far bigger plans. It was time to take her home. Or often we think we know better than God. I know, I've been in that place many times. The other thing that we see is we don't like not being in control. It's like when your wife's driving the car. No, just kidding. (laughs) You want to reach over and grab the steering wheel. Or you're dictating from the passenger seat how you think she should drive. (laughs) None of us doesn't like being in control, truthfully, yeah? It's an unnerving place to be, especially when you're entrusting yourself into the hands of one you cannot see often. And it's a real challenge because often at times you think the heavens feel like brass, it feels like you're praying and it's all bouncing back at you and you go, it's like nothing seems to be occurring, but let me tell you it does. In my situation, my faith needed to become real. When I first pioneered this charitable trust, 16 years ago, when I got married, I, took on, I married a wife and three children, so I went from a faith of one to a faith of five overnight. I was on a sickness benefit of $22,000 a year. And somehow, somehow, God made that work. And then we had two more. And so my faith went through a one, faith of one to a faith of five to a faith of seven within three years on $22,000 a year. Now, do your math on that. I don't know how it worked, but it did work. And God was faithful. And to this day, we've never gone without. Often insecure and fear can grip us, especially in regard to providing for our family. Because as men, we expected to be the breadwinners, yeah? There's an expectation. In fact, the number one reason for divorce in the world is because of financial uh, backup there. It is the number one reason why people get divorced is because they, the partner fears that they might not be able to provide for them. So when I came to that place where I said, God, I, I need you to come through for me. And so I started to stand on the scripture and the promises of his word. It says, don't worry and, and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have clothes to wear? Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. But your heavenly Father in heaven knows you need all of these. But more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. And you know what? Over 23 years of journeying with the Lord, I have never gone without in that time. And I just bring it, I keep it back right back down to simplicity. The word says, consider the lilies of the field. How much more are you valuable than one of those? You know, consider the sparrows. Do they stress and worry about how they're going to feed themselves? No, there's that simple knowledge and knowing. Why? Because my Heavenly Father promises in his word that he will always provide. Don't worry about those things. And so it's hard not to as men because we have this expectation on us to step up and provide. And I'm not saying sit on your blessed assurance and wait for it to drop out of the sky. What I'm saying is we have to do due diligence in order for that to happen. What the Lord showed me was, Pat, you do what you can do and I'll do the rest. And that, I can work with that, yeah? It's an easy expectation to step up with. One of the other reasons that we may not pray is we may carry condemnation and guilt because of sin and shortcomings. We think that God may not answer us because of our misdemeanors 
We feel like God wouldn't answer us because of what we've done, what we've thought, what we've looked at, what behaviour, habit or hang-up we may continue to struggle with. And do you know what? One thing I've learned over all these years of walking with the Lord is that, in my humble opinion, isn't this an even greater reason that we should pray and rely on the grace and forgiveness of Jesus? If I've got my life together, why do I need God? You see, Satan wants to silence you and condemn you so you don't pray and remain bound up, guilt-ridden and powerless in your day-to-day. He would have no greater joy than to shut you up so you don't pray. For me, I've come to realise to the day that I step across that veil, I'm going to be on a journey of restoration and God's grace and blood covers me in those times where I do blow it. I've got an advocate with a father who continues to be my lawyer, really, in heaven. The other reason that we see that people don't pray is we don't know what to say. Men are, known, are not known for being good communicators, generally, as many wives know. You know, the guy comes in at night, Hi, honey, how's today? Oh, good, what would you do? Oh, not much. And that's the end of the conversation. The TV clicks on, and the next minute they're watching something more. True. <laughs> It's not that we don't care, it's often we don't know what to say. Don't worry, it doesn't have to be wordy or sound polished or eloquent. And I've found that through experience, simple prayers are incredibly powerful and effective. That childlike faith which the Father loves. And I tell you what, I've seen that demonstrated so much with my children. My kids have taught me more about childlike faith and the power of prayer than anyone. And I want to tell you a story You see, there is no little Holy Ghost, true? The same Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is living in you and I and also in our children if they've received Christ as their saviour. My daughter, Ella, when she was four years of age, we were going to do a birthday party. And she had this grand plan of having this pool party where mum and dad would walk out with trays of uh, cocktails and little appetisers and all of those things. And she had about ten friends coming round. Well, I looked at the weather forecast on the Thursday and it was atrocious. It was like 10 times worse than today. It was going to pour down. And I'm feeling, I'm looking at the overall forecast over a few days and I'm looking at Ella and I went in to pray for her and say goodnight. And she simply looked up at me and she said, Dad, I prayed and God's told me I'm going to have an amazing day. And I said, really? (laughs) Okay, all right, well, let's just believe for that. Well, you have little faith. Saturday came and by 11 a.m., it was still pitch black. It had been storming all morning and raining. And, I'm, and Ella didn't even seem to bat an eyelid. But about 11 o'clock, this ray of sun punched through this dark storm clouds. And I tell you what, within three hours, the heavens were open. The sky was completely blue. In fact, this is a photo of her at her pool party. The sun was out. And she was out there with all of her friends having mum and dad carrying cocktails and appetizers. And she looked at me and she said, Dad, I told you. God told me everything would be okay. And I tell you what, I could spend days telling you about my children's answered prayers. And it's been embarrassing for me to actually learn from their simplicity of faith. And I've actually tried to instill in each one of them that your prayers are just as effective as mine. In fact, often I say, please, can you pray for me over something? Because they're unhindered by baggage and and perception. They simply come as they are and have a simple request. 
God, can you do this for me? Another time we went to Samoa, my son had never caught, he wanted to catch a mahi-mahi, which is a type of fish that get down at the top of the North Island and also here. We're out on this charter boat, there was only three of us. We're sitting there for four hours, not a bite. But Seth simply said to me, Dad, God's promised me I'm going to get a mahi-mahi. Well, about 20 minutes later, bang, the line hit off, pulled up this fish. It was probably nearly over a metre long. It was a mahi-mahi. Again, he turned around and said, Dad, I told you God would answer my prayer. And so many times, hundreds of situations where I've seen the Lord answer their prayers. One mindset we need to come to grips with is learning to trust God, something which can be difficult for those that have been hurt. Are we really willing to allow God to show himself faithful through prayer rather than trying to control and fix everything? Deliberately acting out, activating our faith and being willing to trust him. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is a certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. A confident assurance my Bible tells me this, and I stand on those words that are unchangeable. God is not a liar. If one word is a lie, then the whole thing is a lie. His word promises he's not a liar. There is no darkness in him. So another point we need to consider is when we should pray. And in your outline, you're going to see 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray continually. In other words, never stop praying. The CSV version reads, pray constantly. Down the list there, pray without ceasing. The New Living Tran oh, the YLT says, continually pray. And another one says, continually be prayerful. And the final one in the Waymouth says, be unceasing in prayer. I think that's a hint that we should always be mindful that prayer is critical for Christians. It should be one of the key hallmarks of our life. Prayer should be a part of our everyday conversation, morning, noon, and night. There's not a day gone in my life where I haven't laid hands on my children and prayed over them, prophesied over them, spoken over them, declared things when they're asleep, anointed their head with oil. My wife, when I'm not there, my wife covers me, but there's not a day gone by where I haven't imparted something and laid hands on my children. Why? Because I know that prayer is effective and powerful, and I, continue, and I think we often underestimate the capacity. Prayer should be a part of our everyday conversation, morning, noon, or night, whatever as the Spirit leads and lays on the heart or mind. Now, I know for some people, some people aren't morning people. Anyone here that's not a morning person? My wife, she's so funny. She wakes up and I hear her alarm go off about 10 minutes before she actually gets up. She sits on the edge of the bed and she's just like a zombie. And I sort of see her walking down the hall like this. <laughs> she's a mess, she's not a morning person whereas I'm firing out of bed by the time I'm at the end of the hall I've got my clothes on and bang I'm ready for action I'm totally different God can speak to me and wake me anywhere between 3.30am and 6am most mornings I, for whatever reason I don't need a lot of sleep these days they say that when you get old <laughs> but I actually don't need a lot of sleep but sometimes it's that stillness of the night those wee hours that God will just go oi I want to talk to you. Remember that story of Samuel where God was talking to him. He said he could hear this voice. And what? He didn't recognize it at first, but God was trying to get his attention. And often for me, that is the best time of the day or the night to get a hold of me is in those wee hours when I'm actually focused. 
and he'll often download a name or a person or a situation which I need to pray into. The amount of times I've had people come back to me afterwards and say, man, whatever you prayed, it worked because things worked out the way. Yeah, and I've had feedback from many, many people. When meeting somebody new, talking and listening are necessary for a relationship. Guys, try not talking to your wives for a wee while and see where that gets you. You can't use a clinical or scientific approach to know them. It's all about communicating. You try and get analytical and she'll probably slap you. Actually, one thing I've found about my wife, she doesn't want the answers, she just wants me to listen, yeah? (laughs) Communication with God is all about dialogue, not monologue. Listening and asking. Tuning that dial out for you older people. Remember the old wireless? We had the wireless and it warmed up with the bulbs and you turn that little fine-tuning dial in and you just get that channel right on the money and you could clearly hear that voice then. So it is with me and God. Sometimes, sometimes I have to just still out all the noise, the cell phones, the social media, the TV, the radio, the, the busyness, the kids screaming, everything else. And so one of the best times for me to do that is when everyone's still in bed. And so for me... The earliest part of my day is always that time where my Heavenly Father wants to be there and be a part of what I'm dealing with on a daily basis. So what does that look like? Often, Scripture says, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. So in your outline, just fill in those words. Personally, uh, a prayer room doesn't do it for me, unfortunately. My, I get closest to God when I used to ride my motorbike or on the beach walking with the Lord to a long walk where there's nobody else and I can just get into my own headspace, out with nature. One of, the, one of the most powerful things that I've experienced over my life is even as a child, I would look at creation and recognise God's handiwork in everything. So I often feel closest to God when I'm out there in amongst nature at the beach going for a bushwalk or whatever. I used to love stormy nights and would often spend hours talking to the Lord during those times. Some people like the prayer closet, that quiet bit of space before the chaos of the day. To be honest, I've had seasons of that with some Bible and some worship music or a quiet place to read scripture and to be available to God so that he can speak and just download some stuff. Some people prefer their cars. They're so busy they haven't got time to pray except when they're driving, yeah? Driving is a good place to pray. And everyone thinks you're mad when they're looking at you and you're talking to them. But to be honest, in today's world, you can often speak to your cell phone so people don't know any different. (laughs) Some people prefer being in their car, uh, driving for hours on end. I know that I spend a lot of time on the road, 30 to 50,000 k's a year. And so I get a lot of time to pray and to have downtime and have time where I can just talk to the Lord about stuff I'm facing. Some other people find in their place of work and their like there was a book out by a guy called Brother Lawrence where he was a monk and he, the only time he got to pray was when he was doing his chores, washing the dishes and serving his fellow monks in the monastery. And that was in the place where people would actually come around him because he got so close to God in those places of intimacy and that place of work that people just wanted to be around him and the presence that he gave off when he was praying to the Lord. So what, do, what should we pray for? Well, this is, not, this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but the necessities of life. One of the great ways to look at that is the Lord's Prayer. 
Remember the scripture says, give us this day our daily bread. I was talking to the kids about that at camp last week. You know, when you pray and when you spend time in God's word, God's word is called the bread of life. It's not give us this day our once a week bread or our monthly bread or, or stuff I'm going to camp bread, I better dust my Bible off. It's our daily bread. If, you, if we don't eat physically, we get sick and die, yeah? If we don't eat spiritually, we're going to get malnourished and we're going to get sick and eventually get very sick. We need our sustenance from the bread of life, the word of God. So I want to encourage that with you guys here today that spend that time not only in prayer, but God speaks through his word as well. So allow, you don't have to read screeds and chapters of the word. Focus on something which gives you enough sustenance for the day. We can pray for adoration and thankfulness, for health and safety, for forgiveness of sin, for attitudes and behaviours which I constantly am dealing with in my own life. Just when you think you've got it sorted with the Lord, he brings something else out in your life that you've got to work on, yeah? Uh, For strength to resist temptation and so on, every day there's opportunity to pray. So who should we pray for? Well, Scripture actually says, I urge you all first to pray for who? Pray for all people. Not just the ones that you like, but actually the one. In fact, Scripture says pray for your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Pray for those that come against you. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give, them, give thanks for them. So pray for all people. Our kids, our family members, our wives, our husbands. And do you know what? The enemy would seek to destroy and divide families. And so we have a, a duty of obligation for our families and for our children to pray for them. Who has family members here that don't know Jesus, that aren't currently walking with their Lord and Saviour right now? Or friends? I'd say all of us here know people that don't, aren't walking with the Lord right now. And we need to be lifting them up in prayer and continuing to hold them before the Lord. My older three, I, as I say, I married into a, a blended family, uh, and the older three kids, they all gave their lives to the Lord, but at the moment, none of them are walking with them. So every day I set them before the Lord and pray and seek the Lord that he would finish what he started in their lives. They're not there yet, but I don't look in the natural, I believe that God has got their lives in his hands. And all my responsibility to do is to pray, to continue to pray. There's not a day goes by that I haven't prayed for them or blessed them, protection, prophesy over them. The other thing, praying for my wife. My wife and I for many years contended many things and part of a blended family, there's a whole lot of stuff that comes with that previous marriage. And for many years I hit a wall and I thought, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. But then I was challenged and I got on my knees and started to pray for my wife and break stuff off her life and pray blessing and pray for her. And do you know what? I've seen breakthrough in my marriage, which to this day, our marriage has never been better. If it comes a matter of right and wrong, well, I've actually missed what marriage is about. The Lord challenged me on that one day. He said, Pat, if it's just a matter of right and wrong, you've actually missed the point. Where is your heart in this? Is it bringing life? Is it loving? Is it gracious? Because right and wrong, well, you can still be right, but have an attitude that stinks. (laughs) So more than anything, Satan wants to destroy marriage and families. So 
as believers, we have a responsibility to pray for our families and our wives. Pray for our pastors. Pray for Pastor Ian. One of the, I, I, couldn't be, I couldn't handle being a pastor. I'd kill everyone in five minutes. <laughs> Seriously. No disrespect to present company. But pastoring, it's not a job that they face so much together. And they need our prayers and support because they have a big responsibility and duty of care. Satan wants to undermine and divide and cause dissension, so we need to pray for our pastors and leaders. We need to pray for the sick and the affirmed. We need to, every day we know of people that have got illness and sickness. Pray for those people. Take a risk and go out and lay hands on them. The amount of times that I've been to a job, I work on St. John Ambulance, I've been an ambulance officer for 13 years. The amount of times I've gone to a job where somebody should have died but they didn't, and I know the reason because of that was prayer. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. Why? Because I know that when I'm prayed up and I lay hands on people, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is dwelling in my being. Pray for the church and the believers. Pray for the body of Christ because overseas, millions of people worldwide, Christian believers, are being persecuted for their faith. In fact, there's never been a greater time in history where believers have been so persecuted as they are now. Pray for the nation of Israel. Every day I pray for that nation. Why? Because they are God's people. We need to pray for other believers everywhere that are being persecuted. I had a friend of mine, I went through Bible school. He was from North Korea. He escaped. He showed me his plan on Google Maps, how he escaped from this concentration camp in North Korea and made his way down through Thailand. And he ended up in a, a, a Burma, I think it was. He ended up in a prison of 50,000 people. And he managed to escape from there and get back to South Korea. And he watched his grandfather die in front of him as they were floating down a river trying to escape North Korea. There's believers overseas that are suffering for their faith and dying for their faith. Muslim nations which are being persecuted every day and being killed for their faith. We need to pray for the church and believers worldwide in the body of Christ. So not only, we're just about done guys, not only can we pray for ourselves and our needs, but God also wants to dialogue back to you. And God is talking and downloading stuff all the time. The question is, are we listening? He can speak through scripture, he can speak through leadership, he speaks through prophetic word, through two or three witnesses, he speaks through creation, he speaks in many ways. We even see he spoke through an ass, a donkey, remember? Oh, Balaam's donkey, Balaam wasn't getting it. And then in the end, the donkey turned around and talked to him and said, oi, there's a big flipping angel standing in the way there. But he wasn't listening, you see, he had his own mind made up about stuff. I think one of the things I've learned in my life is to take a moment to be still and know that he is God. Sometimes we need to take time to drown out the noise and chatter from the day and make time to listen. Sometimes we need to just shut up and take a moment or two, to be honest. In this day and age, with the issues we as believers are continuing to face, how much more should we follow in the example of Christ? We read in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, always pray and never give up. Do you know, my mother was a witness to that. She was a testimony to that. She never gave up. She never looked in the eyes of the natural, but set her face like flint and believed that God would bring about what she'd prayed for. Another translation reads, pray always and do not become discouraged. Who's become discouraged before when they've prayed? I think many times us, we've prayed and things haven't happened. And another version reads, pray at all times and do not lose heart. Just keep going and don't look through the eyes of the natural but believe on the one who stands at the right hand of the Father. Finally, 
in finishing, we really we read in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Telling God what you need and thanking him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Guys, let's just pray, eh? The correct concept, uh, Oswald Chambers once said regarding prayer, the correct concept is to think of prayer as the breath in our lungs and the blood from our hearts. Our blood froze and our breathing continues without ceasing. We are not even conscious of it, but it never stops. So Lord, we just thank you for today and I pray that you would speak to the hearts and lives of each one here, that we would challenge and provoke in us a heart and a spirit to pray for our families, for our wives, for our children, for the unbelievers, for the lost, for the broken, for those that don't know you right now or aren't walking with you. Lord, give us opportunity and speak to us and allow us to drown out the noise of the everyday that we can hear your voice, that we can follow your promptings as you nudge us and just awaken in us a heart to pray fervently. For your word says that, Lord, the, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word does not return void until it's accomplished what it's purpose to do, which is to bring salvation. Father, we thank you for your spirit here today. We pray that you would encourage the listeners. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.